What's going on, Realm? All right, so here's the rules of engagement for this show. All right, so um, I will say it again at the beginning of the show, but I want to make it clear here, too. Uh, this uh, Megan does work for Obsidian, but I don't want people thinking we're just going to blave her with questions in the chat that we know for a fact she can't answer. Uh, this is about her writing life, about what it takes for a developer to be a writer. I know the view is going to be low on this one uh, because it, it's going to be more educational than entertainment-wise. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, but, you know, we, we're going to make it fun, though. You guys know how I am. I'm going to make it fun, and I hope you guys enjoy
there something going on with the chat, Nick? Next, I, I don't see anything yet, but I'm not really paying attention to 100% of things going on right now. This is kind of done at the last minute a little bit. <clears throat> Our guest should be here momentarily, uh, so keep that in mind you know i got got i got the waiting room on so uh i see when she pops up so i can re mute the chat you know i want to engage a little bit don't want you guys sitting in that starting soon screen too much oh yeah i mean oh okay 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 right, i get what you're saying now you know uh, like i said for those of you who don't know share the podcast on twitter do whatever you guys can get these numbers you know i know when it comes to educational videos because we're going to go over a lot of you know a lot of questions revolve writing it's it doesn't it doesn't really relate to a lot of people and i understand that so i do feel like i am going to have to find another way of doing these type of videos that's not the attic show because you guys want the attic show you want us talking you know you want me and hustle shooting it up that's what you guys want and, and, and i respect that uh so you know i'll probably do another show uh whenever i have these type of stuff uh and it will be closer to like maybe the end of the week when i do have them like on a friday uh because i do have the attic spotlight for any of you long-term listeners you guys know that uh i do have that so that's where i'll probably make these into that uh but right now i gotta see exactly what what, what i do with these man I'm excited. I'm waiting uh, for Megan to uh, to get in here. She's she she's a busy person, man. She's a big busy person. Uh, once she gets here, we'll we'll start. I'm assuming she'll be here in like the next ten minutes. Uh, so you know we we're gonna have a good time, man. Uh, you know, put in the comment section below if there's any particular questions that you guys would want me to ask. Now, obviously, I'm not gonna ans ask all of them. I might answer some of them ask her some of them just depending on what the questions are and, and keep in mind it's got it's got to be related a lot to the writing portion of her job okay Attic, while we have time can you tell us how you make the fire the green screen oh my god that is not me i don't I don't walk around like that, man. It's not me. I don't have fire around me, man. I'm not on fire, Nix. I'm not on fire. <clears throat> Actually, um... I'm kind of a blanket who made that that intro. I'm gonna be real with you guys. It's kind of a blank. I don't, I can't remember who made it. We have a lot of people make stuff. I think it was Sean LeBray. I think it was Sean LeBray, but I don't know. Uh, Megan Star uh, Stark is a senior writer on the Obsidian team. She writes uh, for uh, the Outer Worlds. That's the team she writes for. But like I said, you know, we're, we're uh, this this podcast is going to be directed around that particular role. 
I'm gonna. Ask, I got a lot of good questions for her. You know, I, I spent a good hour, hour and a half, writing questions and deleting questions, because uh, I do. There are some questions that I like to ask, but you know, obviously, I don't want to dig too much into the outer worlds. I want to use it more as a reference point than anything. Uh, because here, here's here's the thing that I, I, I do. And like I said, I'm going to go over all this uh, when the show starts. I feel like we're even guilty. We have a lot of developers on. We have a lot of industry people. But it's always about, you know, for the company they work for. And I want to do more to give back to the people who... Okay, she's here. I'll talk to you guys in a minute.
What's going on, guys? Attic Shop. I, I apologize uh, for the tardiness. Uh, you know, I, I'll take all the blame for that. No, that's uh, totally my fault. <laughs> so, Sorry. how we're going to do this. All right, first off, I've said this multiple times on the starting soon screen. Uh, but some of you guys are stubborn. I don't care if you super chat anything. We're not answering questions about Outer Worlds 2. <laughs> Because they, 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 these people, they, they, they thirsty, man. They, they'll do whatever they can. Whatever they can. We will not be asking questions about stuff related to that. Uh, for the most part, we won't even really be talking about the Cinea projects. You know, we might uh, use stuff that happened in the first one as, like, an, an objective standpoint. But we're not talking about anything. It's going to be about the writing. And the reason I'm making these, these segments is I do feel like a lot of you on Twitter... You know, I, I feel like a lot of you feel like you can do Jaws better than other people. And it's not really our fault. I do feel like, you know, we we, we need to ask people more questions. You know, we need to be enlightened, more educated on the matter. So that's what I'm doing, man. It's, it's the, the day in the life of a senior writer in the gaming industry. You know what's funny, Megan? When I was doing the title on YouTube, I was like, I don't know if I want to put Obsidian in the title. <laughs> so I just used your name. I didn't put Obsidian. Oh, sure. That's <laughs> fine either way. Uh, I mean, it's not like we'd come after you. <laughs> well, it's not that. It's yeah. just, I, but it's I not know, about that topic. I know, yeah. Yeah, I know how PR is. It, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, and part of the reason I, I want to do this, too, is I want to give an outlet to where it feels like we having... Because even, even the Iron Lords podcast, you know, no one does it on purpose. But it's like you you were on the show to talk about your job. You know what I'm saying? To talk about working for Obsidian. And I feel like there's not a lot of opportunities for devs to come on and just talk about them as a person. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so oh, that, that's, that's, that's another uh, reason I'm doing this. Cause I, uh, I, I'm more curious on the dev side than anything else, but I don't really get to like stretch that muscle too much. So it's, it's going to be nice to have a good conversation, but so, uh, first off, we'll get into, like, the opening stuff, Megan. Like, what, what, what are you playing here lately? I, any type of games that you like are you playing here that's released? Um, well, most recently I was playing um, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which I really like because I'm a big Borderlands fan anyway. I've heard recently, like, when I've talked to people, it seems like Borderlands humor or the IP is very, like, hit or miss for folks. They either love it or hate it, but I've always been, like pretty big fan um it was enjoying that i like the couch co-op there's this kind of limited amount of games you can play couch co-op on and before that i was pretty into um hades i put a lot of hours into that which i was late to the game i think i was like two years late <laughs> to playing that but it was really fun yeah hades is a is a pretty fun game i, I like the art style and the, mm -hmm. not a lot of you know type of gameplay like that that really resonate with me but i don't know why I, maybe it's just because that's like mythology and because of games like mm -hmm. uh, God of War, I grew up with that kind of yeah. uh, Greek mythology. Well, I was just blown away that that game only had one writer. And I was like, oh my gosh, like hats off <laughs> to that guy. That was really impressive. person was probably writing 24-7. <laughs> I know, right? The way that they did it was uh, really interesting too because you can tell that it must have been like just tons and tons of like Excel sheets or however they organize it with all these conditionals on it. And then it's plugged in and then they fire, you know, randomly. And I just thought it was really cool. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're going to go ahead and uh, rotate. Cause obviously I don't want to keep you too long. You work enough. <laughs> uh, you know, first thing I would like to know is, you know, we obviously have a lot of uh, going into, you know, a lot of different roles at different companies in general. I, I want to mm -hmm. know what's, what it's like for a day as Megan 
uh, as being a senior writer? What's like the day to day life when it comes to that kind of term? Um, well, um, it kind of depends at what point in the project we're on, because sometimes I'll just be a senior narrative designer. Sometimes I'm strike team lead. Um, sometimes I'm in charge of people making, uh, you know, a zone in the game, uh, or a feature like companions. Um, but just from the writing perspective, uh, I guess it would be like, come in, <laughs> check your email, see if there's anything that's like jump to the top of the to-do or you need to respond to, check when your meetings are. You'll typically be assigned um, to either like some studios call them pods, some call them strike teams, but it's typically like a narrative designer, an area designer, an environment artist, and maybe like a QA person. And you guys are a group and you're in charge of either a feature or an area of the game. And you're gonna meet regularly and develop all the content in there, like in sync with each other. Um, so you might have meetings where you're discussing what's the next thing we're working on or what's the status of this task. And then, yeah, I just have different, you know, types of tasks. Like lately it's been a lot of conversations for characters. So, you know, like quest giver, vendors, um, dungeon villains, stuff like that. <laughs> and then I just get latest, open up tools, do my writing and play test it. Oh, that, yeah. that, that's, that's interesting. I've always, you know, we'll get into that a little bit about like the cooperations between you and other departments. I've always mm -hmm. wondered like, how in-depth that is but i do have a question related to that mm -hmm. so um just just so the audience knows uh what what projects have you worked on in the gaming industry um so uh previously my first job was at icarus studios working on fallen earth um which was an post-apocalyptic mmo hold on <laughs> like are you seeing my like work messages pop up my no. new close out of this program okay so i was no, like people are messaging that. me like oh hey by the way um okay uh after that i worked on um at carbine studios on wildstar um and then after that i came to obsidian i worked on tyranny i worked on pillars of eternity 2 deadfire i worked on the Outer Worlds, and then I worked on both of the Outer Worlds DLCs, and now I'm on uh, the Outer Worlds sequel. Uh, that's that's just for the, like the viewership wise. I I do okay. Like as far as you know, you've worked on the, the Outer Worlds for a good amount of time. Has there ever been a popular franchise that you've seen that you was just like you've always been curious off of maybe a certain writing portion that you saw, maybe a certain character development in a the game then you was like you've been very curious and that you would actually like to work for that team on that game if you ever had a chance was there any like franchise that you could think of um yeah i mean i have a ton of games that i play and i just feel like i'm a huge fan um i've always liked um mentioned before borderlands i've always liked bioshock i've always liked fallout and most recently, Control absolutely like got obsessed with that. Um, so I feel like any of those type of games would just be super fun to work on. Also, I like um, X-Men, and so the um, Wolverine game that they're making I think looks really cool. But again, it's like, you know, I'm pretty happy <laughs> with what I'm doing now. So that's more just like, a, I guess, if you're going to imagine, ooh, what would it be like if I wanted to, you know, work on a project like that or whatever. Any of those would be super exciting. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I feel like, you know, when it comes to, especially RPGs, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel like 
writing in those would be like crazy. Like keep you, it'll keep you busy. It'll keep you busy, man. It'll keep you busy. What about when it comes? <laughs> what about you know when it comes to RPGs? You know, I want to specialize a little bit on RPGs because you've been working on the most. Uh, you know, you did mention Fallout. Uh, is there any mm-hmm. other type of huge RPGs that you've played over the years that you would like to God, work with? I've literally put, like, no joke, for like, because you can see the stats when you load up a save file. Whatever, I've put, like, 400 hours into Witcher 3 with oh, <laughs> our DLCs. And I heard they're making another DLC, so I'm like, yeah. Um, I played Cyberpunk. Uh, you know, I enjoyed it, but it didn't, like, I didn't get obsessed with it the same way that I did with Witcher 3. But, I mean... You know, everyone has their own preferences, so that's more just a flavor thing. Yeah, I hear you on that. All right, so when it comes to you know The Witcher, what 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 is some characters in The Witcher Three that you really gravitated towards? <laughs> this is like controversial. <laughs> this is like fandom stuff. I really like Yennefer. <laughs> I know she's like a lot of people like love or hate her. I like Yennefer. I like Siri. I like Geralt. Um, all of the Witchers in both um, the game and the television series I think are really cool. Like the more of them, the better. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Siri's uh, in particular, like she's a really unique character. Mm-hmm. Uh, takes on like a different aspect of just about everything. Uh, I really like how the TV show has like kind of like f- filled mm-hmm. more lore behind everyone. I know some people don't like it. Some people do. Uh, <clears throat> I've always been the kind of person like when it comes to any type of TV entertainment, I've always been that I'm trying to be unbiased as possible. Yeah. You know, obviously, uh, you know, stuff like Halo, uh, I, I was very vocal about. Uh, but, you mm-hmm. know, you know, speaking of of of. Of Xbox in general, uh, you know. They got a lot of studios now. And now, let's get away from RPG and everything. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. any any studio Microsoft has that if you were decided that, you know, <laughs> I want to I, I want to go somewhere else and you had the opportunity to go anywhere in, in Xbox and all their studios, what's the one that you'd be more open to doing? Because there's a lot. And, we, you know, we won't use the Activision one, so just the studios that they currently have now. What's the studio that you've always, like, you know what, that would be fun to write with? I mean, I think, like, I kind of had my pick, and I was lucky to get in an Obsidian, but, I, you know, I wouldn't leave it. So <laughs> it's hard to imagine, like, you know, if for some reason I was ever like, oh, hey, because you're already at Microsoft and you're staying here, but we also want you to write for whatever project. Yeah, I mean, I think anything that Bethesda or Arcane is putting out is really Arcane. cool. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed Prey. Um, obviously, Dishonored, although that's um, France. Uh, those are really cool. And I'm interested to play... My brain is blanking. Is it Redfall? Or sorry, mm-hmm. I'm messing that up. Okay, yeah. I was like, I saw the trailer of that. Look really cool. I'd heard a little bit about it um, before I saw the trailer, but I thought, yeah, I'm definitely gonna play that as well. So, but I guess those are a little bit similar. Like, I do like the RP, you know, genre. So it's kind of in the same vein. Yeah, I actually, you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, Arcane. Actually, like, I really love Dishonored. I love Deathloop. I, I felt like the oh, writing yes, Deathloop was, was really good. Really the writing good. of yes. Deathloop was really good. All that right, so let, France, yeah. <laughs> let, let let's go ahead and get into the nitty gritty, man. Let's mm-hmm. obviously there's all types of different characters you can write being a writer, especially in the gaming industry. What is what is that one? type of write, writer when you're writing a character of some of sort 
that you would think is the hardest in general? Like, what type of character that would be a difficult right that you would have to take on? I really think it's different per writer. Like, every writer has their own strengths and weaknesses and their own personal interests. And also, a lot of it can be based off of, like, you know, your life experiences and the type of um, media and, you know, other writing and shows and stuff that you like to consume. So, for me, I particularly like to write, like, anti-hero and villain-type characters. It's a little bit harder for me to write, like, a typical, like, you know, goody, goody, white knight. Um, but I feel like with most people, it's like the opposite where they kind of gravitate more towards like, like it actually would have been really difficult for me to write Parvati and do her justice in the way that Kate did, you know, because mm-hmm. Parvati is such a sweet, like supportive, multi-layered, you know, interesting character that I probably would have fumbled it, honestly. Um, but, you know, writing a <laughs> a robot who doesn't care if you go on a murder spree or whatever is much easier for me um but yeah for other people they might not enjoy writing villains the same way so i think it kind of just depends on your personal interests and what you've practiced and stuff like that yeah actually uh anti-hero i'm sure that that's a pretty fun area to explore because like if if, if you stick to like a typical hero or typical villain you kind of got to go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can start to branch a little bit, but like when you did these 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 personalities, like by lore wise and by what makes sense, they're gonna go left or right again. But when it comes to like mm-hmm. an antihero, like you can just wake up. This, okay, I feel like this particular scene, he's gonna be straight left and then straight mm-hmm. right the week after. I I've always felt like when it comes to antiheroes, like they're always uniquely written. Because yeah. at any time, they could go anywhere you would never expect it. Uh, so I, I like that. I like that. That was that. That's a nice uh, little touch. Uh, you know, I obviously with RPGs. You know, we've talked a lot about RPGs. But one thing I'm curious about is, you know, let's say that you, uh, you know, you end up eventually wanting to go into another genre is there ever a type of other genre that you'd like you know action adventure you know we even talk about uh you know i would say probably rts's because i would say look the gameplay is not really particularly the thing that you would deal with but when you make a story you uh you know obviously we'll get into the uh collaborations between departments but is there ever another genre that you know has interest you like you know uncharted the last of us lanes I think um, genre for video games is a little bit different than genre for like novels. So like a lot of times in novels, if you're talking about genre, you're straight up saying like, oh, is this sci-fi? Is this cyberpunk? Is this fantasy? Mm -hmm. But like with video games, a lot of times it's like, what is the type of combat? What is the type of gameplay? And then within that, what is the, you know, is it a a fantasy setting? do you have a predefined hero? Is it a linear story? Is it branching dialogue? I think for me, um, the type of, you know, combat and type of gameplay experience, I wouldn't be like, oh, I prefer this over another. But if I was going to try something else, I think it would be pretty cool to do a linear story. Um, Something very cinematic, kind of like, you know, Uncharted or um, Last of Us. or even, you know, Control was a little bit in that vein, I would say. So I just thought those experiences are pretty cool. And I haven't actually written on them before because um, I mostly did MMOs and then now I'm doing RPGs. So that would be a new um, adventure for me. 
Yeah, and I think linear projects too you, you would have obviously like you know going into the branching things that most typical rpgs do you can't really like completely go one direction because you always have to give uh give the characters multiple directions so i feel like you know do because i always felt like certain games that drive away and try to give them more of an open dialogue stuff it's like i always felt like it didn't make sense for certain scenes. Like, cause when, when a linear thing, you know, the reason people love Joel, the reason people love Ellie, the reason people love Nathan Drake, you know, Laura Croft, because, uh, they, the writers were able to write the story in such a way because there wasn't a bunch of branching options. And I feel like you look, RPGs make sense, you know, because mm -hmm. you want to give the player as much options as possible because that's generally what an RPG is. But, when it comes to like linear stuff, you want to tell a story. It, it that's the number one focus over everything. I would say probably gameplay, but we're talking about writing. So, uh, as far as telling the story, that is the most important thing. And I think in in RPGs, it's kind of the story's important, but options is the most important thing to an RPG. And I think that's probably mm -hmm. why a, a lot of writers might want to write a linear because they would feel like they can go complete extra on a story because they know that every person is going to come across that story, not just the people that go down that branch. That's true. Um, I think uh, both have their like strengths and weaknesses or unique challenges, right? So it could be a little bit of a grass is greener. Like when you're working on a branching game or a game that has to account for so many different, like, did the player do this, but not that, or are they this build? And, you know, uh, any one thing you add, like say I was like, oh, it would be really cool if, you know, you can read this report um, that this other character wrote. Well, now I need the option to go back to that character and say, hey, I found this thing. Let's talk about it. Right. So like any little thing you want to add, it has like a domino effect of like now you got to make sure all these other things account for it. Um, so, and you have to, like, when you're building out a conversation, go, okay, well, what if the player goes here, 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 but not there? So maybe you have, like, eight different routes through a conversation. You have to count for all those. It can seem like a lot of moving parts and be like, oh, you know, it's, it can be overwhelming. Wouldn't it be so easy if, like, well, there was only one route? But I think when you're looking at a linear game where the focus is on the cinematic story and, you know, having a really strong protagonist and a really strong conflict that they have to overcome um it's almost like eye of sauron or like you have to be like the top one percent like it has to be immaculate you know so mm -hmm. like you might be working on the same thing over and over and over and scrapping it and revising it and just having like multiple versions of that one thing that's trying to push it towards perfection so i think it's actually probably <laughs> very similar just um different methods yeah i definitely would agree with you on that and you know, uh, Cog, his famous lie is, you know, uh, just one because he feels like, you know, those type of games, especially because uh, that story narrative do really good. Uh, so mm -hmm. I've always wondered this and I, I don't know how this works, but for years I've wondered this. When you're making a story, what comes first, the world that the story's being told in or the story that the world is is being told in? Like, I'm kind of I don't know if you like understand that I didn't really say it the way I said in my mind, like, let's say you have a world. I feel like, I don't know if development process is to develop the world first or develop the story and the artists create the world off of what the, like what the story inclines. If that makes sense. 
how, how does that generally go? Is it generally like, I, I would feel like it varies, but in your experiences from working with other uh, departments, uh, do you have a lot of input on how they do stuff like that? And, you know, it's, as far as the world creation, do you have any input on that as well? I think it depends on how high level you're looking at. So if it's something like, you know, the game creators, um, you know, in the very beginning, and literally it's like blank page, nothing has been defined. Like I would actually Mm -hmm. be interested to find out, like, you know, to ask Tim and Leonard, like, did you decide on like the world and the setting and then the storyline? I would imagine they probably started with um, that, with saying like, hey, this is the type of world or the type of, you know, universe that this is going to live in. And then within that, what type of stories can we tell? Because it's just, you always have to put some constraints on it. You have to pick a direction and start to define it and like make a little box for yourself. Otherwise, you know, you could never like move forward or get anything done. So I think they would probably pick some constraints like that and then decide what type of story to tell within that. It could easily go the other way, like a different type of creator on a different game. Maybe he had an idea for, you know, the main character and their struggle and then just built a world around that. It, I think either would work. When you get down to the smaller level, um, a lot of times we've already defined, like, these are the areas you can go to in the game. And then mm-hmm. within that, we decide, you know, these are the characters that are going to show up here and this is the type of things the player is going to do. So I do think it, a lot of times it can be more uh what worlds are you building first? Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is uh, I've seen a lot of, uh, especially writing teams, use what I like to call the Rico board, where it's like, you know how like the FBI try to take down people and they have like a giant <laughs> board with like yeah. connecting dots to everyone. Yeah. It's like, I've seen so many like writing teams have something similar. It's like, this is the writing portion. And then it has like a line that goes to this. I think, I think mm-hmm. that's unique. And I, I like stuff like that. All right. Yeah. So, I'm kind of curious on this. Now, obviously, we were talking about type of gameplay that's in in gaming. Um, Does the writers have any impact into that whatsoever on, you know, because to to me, like we were talking about the linear thing, um, it would determine how you write a story off the type of gameplay it is. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it is when a writer is brought on board for, you know, something like, uh, a project is, is that already predetermined or does everyone come together to talk about that type of thing before you write a story related to how the combat would particularly be? because you can only write the story but i do feel like a, as far as the player it, it would depend on how that combat's done to really hyphen that story that you're writing do you have yeah. any type of input on that at all Um, Yes, I think it can go either way. And a lot of times it does. Sometimes, you know, combat team will say, hey, we have villain and they can fly or, you know, they float in this stage. And then you're like, okay, let me figure out a way to write that into the storyline and kind of foreshadow it. And so it doesn't just come out of nowhere or, you know, let me write combat lines that back that up. Um, Sometimes, like, for example, on um, the DLC murder on Eridanos because we knew it was like a murder mystery and we wanted players to be able to role play like what type of detective they are. We thought, well, it'd be really cool if you had like a sci-fi gadgety magnifying glass. And then we asked, you know, the systems team, like we worked with them to, to 
create the discrepancy amplifier and like how that would work. Oh, my poor kitty. He tried to jump on the desk and didn't quite make it. And so, um, and normally my desk is like lower down when I'm writing, but it's standing desk right now. Um, but anyway, so we worked with them to say like, how should this work? Um, you know, what type, what does it look like when you find evidence in the game? Um, and that was really like the story requesting um, a gameplay element added. But a lot of times the gameplay element is already there. And then you're, it's your job to like, explain that and make it fit in with the world and build that into the experience narratively. So pretty much what you're saying is <laughs> it's it's a mixture of both. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a predetermined thing. Then, you know, maybe midway through something gets added and then they're like, yo, we got this boss that floats. Uh, can we add him mm -hmm. in some way? And then you got to go back to the drawing board and, and find a way that makes sense to put that particular person in the game. Yep, oh, that, that, exactly. That, that's interesting. <laughs> I would just walk in the one that has there. Um, that, that that's interesting. I I, I actually like that because because it shows that you guys are what's the word I'm looking for. Um, at any time something can change, and, and oh, yeah. you can easily. Well, no, I'm not gonna say easily, but you 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 could go back to the drawing board and make sure that person makes sense into it. You know, as far as like, you look at positive characters like resident evil with like wesker like those mm -hmm. characters are probably predetermined for years uh but you know the the chick that's with wesker in resident evil 5 maybe she wasn't and she was had to put in at the last minute so mm -hmm. uh, th that's interesting and i would say that happens a lot with like like side characters and, and certain side quests uh you know we mm -hmm. were talking about departments and stuff i'm curious like what's the departments that you work with the most Definitely area design or, you know, some studios call it like level design, game design, um, basically anyone who's your content creator who's like, mm -hmm. you know, making the quest work and building the level that you're running through. Um, also environment art or um, some studios just call it like world art or world builders, which is, you know, anybody who's like putting the trees in and adding your set dressing and making it look nice because um, you have to talk with them about this is you know, what the building is and the purpose that it serves and let's make sure that it all fits in the story. And like a lot of times they will, you know, push that forward and then I'm just there to go like, yeah, that's great. Or actually that wouldn't make sense because of this other thing, um, you know, to provide context. But so it really depends on the specific piece of content that you're making. Like one person might have more of an idea or ownership that's pushing it forward and the other people are there just to support that and kind of reference it. And mm -hmm. then it, it kind of varies. I'm actually curious, has there ever been, like, something that you've written in a game and the artist comes back with what their description of what you've written and then you was, like, and you had, like, key components that you would want changed? That, like, that wasn't oh, the thing that you looks? envisioned, yes. Well, this is, like, a minor thing, but, um, and honestly, like, back then, I probably should have just changed it on my end, but, like, you know, it's a lot newer but like for example super minor version of like how this could work um on tyranny i was writing one of the companions kills in shadow and i wrote or yeah I, I wrote that she had like red eyes and when the art went into the game she had yellow eyes and i was like oh, do you mind you know i know all the other beast people have yellow eyes but like i think it would be cool to help her stand out and like it would have been easy for me to just go in and change the, my description in the writing um so if art had like pushed back on that i could have done that but they were like yeah sure we'll just change your eye color and so that's like a tiny example, but that can happen on a larger level too, for sure. Uh, that, that, that's that's cool. 
All right, but I so think, sorry, just real quick to add, I think it is important for someone working in the industry, like if you guys are considering it and you want to work, it's important to be collaborative and compromise and go back and forth. So like sometimes the artist might go, yeah, no problem. But if they say like, hey, my schedule won't really allow for it, you know, there's other higher priority things. I think it's important for you not to like be too precious about any one thing, you know, like if you can afford to make the change and it makes someone else's life easier, then that goes a long way. <laughs> yeah, especially like, you know, something as eye color would probably be a lot yeah, easier right? to change like, <laughs> than you just like, I don't like the outfit they have on because then that, that's a different story. That that might take a lot longer than just changing an eye color. Mm-hmm. And plus, you know, it's like you said, when it comes to little stuff like that, in the over perspective of things, like, you know, in hindsight, a couple years from now, is it worth the effort to change? Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. Cannot... Well, also, every single thing that goes into a game essentially, like, has an order of priority of, like, there's only so much amount of time to make things and there's like this never-ending list and anything on the bottom is not making it in it's getting cut right Mm -hmm. so like you kind of have to think about where your stuff stacks up in that in comparison to other things so if it's like something really important like this is integral to this storyline or this companion or whatever then maybe you guys talk it out or have meetings and decide what's going to happen and what else has to get cut to make this thing happen or you just go like "Eh, it's not that important compared to everything else let's just get rid of it or do what we can yeah yeah, and plus, you know, development in, in general is about time. You know, time equals money, time, uh, you got deadlines that you have to make. So sometimes you have to look at something. Because we actually, we interviewed Undead Labs once, and they said that they, they had a lot more uh, stuff they want to do with, like, vehicle combat and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, when it came down to it, it's like, you know, you're in a zombie apocalypse. Does it even really make sense that you're able to do something like that anyway? Uh, so they yeah. ended up cutting a lot of that from the game. So I can under. It, and I think that that would that would be like a hit and miss with me, like something that you really was filling, and then again ends up getting cut. Uh, but at the end of the day, that that's that's the job. Like at any mm-hmm. time, something that you could have probably written for for weeks could be cut from the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I got a curious question. Now, obviously, uh, I'm sure you've seen. You know, you said earlier that you were a huge fan of like Bethesda games. Uh, obviously, Fallout Four, we had the uh the protagonist had a voice Uh Um, before that none of them really necessarily did uh from your perspective of writing um i don't know if you've ever written uh anything uh to that nature is it easier to write content to to write a game when the actual main character has a voice or do you think that especially rpgs it's important to give that kind of role-playing where they don't have that voice so I think there's a difference in the examples that you're pointing out. <laughs> so Fallout 4 and Outer Worlds. Um, so with Fallout 4, the players' lines were voiced. They were voice acted. But I wouldn't say that that was necessarily like a predefined character. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not on the same level of playing, you know, Geralt. Um Geralt is literally like he's a character he has a set personality the way he's going to respond to things you can push him a little bit of like is he being more patient or less patient is he like nice Geralt or like abrupt Geralt but you don't get that full range of like am I a full-on psycho character or am I like a snarky mad scientist or you know whereas I feel like even in um, Fallout 4 it's still you defining the character and role-playing within like a set boundary of like you know um, where you like 
the wife with the law degree or were you the, mm-hmm. the war hero, you know, but within that, it's not, it wasn't the same as like, oh, this is Ellie from, you know, Last of Us. And we know exactly what that means, you know. Um, so <laughs> um, whether it's voice acted or not, I do think if the character itself is like more of an open book and the player is defining what that character is to them and who that character's personality is, you have to represent all different types and all different situations and really give the player choice to define that. Um, if it's something more preset, like say, um, you know, the Wolverine game that they're making right now, we know exactly who Logan is, like kind of what he talks like, what he sounds like, the type of choices he would make. Um, or even, you know, the Spider-Man game that they did. It's like, you have to study that and you have to be able to convincingly write that character so that other people go, yeah, that's right. Or like, you know, that's believable or this feels right. So it's really your job to be able to conform to an existing IP and to be able to, you know, craft a voice that is consistent with something that's already defined. Um, and I would actually say this can be a little bit controversial how people feel about fanfic. But I would say if you're someone who like wants to work in video games and you like writing fanfic, don't feel bad about that at all because it's a great way to practice. Like, look, I can like write for characters who someone else created and I can convince other people like, yes, this is, I know how to write and, and these are the characters. Like it sounds correct. Um, and it's a good way to practice all different types. And even if you don't do fanfic, if you just want to practice on your own, I would say take varied different IPs or characters and like practice writing their dialogue or scenes with them and being convincing in that. Um, and then that will improve your skills or give you something that you can show off if you're applying to somewhere and show people like, yeah, if you ask me to write, you know, Wolverine, I can do it. (laughs) Because look, I was able to write all these other characters, you know, like maybe, look, I wrote some sample lines of Handsome Jack, that's original writing, (laughs) but it sounds just like him, you know, so um, Mm -hmm. that's a great um, exercise to do. Yeah, so um, pretty much uh, what what I gathered from that is, (laughs) what when it comes to, when it comes to like writing, it makes more sense if the character has a voice, if the character already has predetermined history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's a character like the Fallout 4 character or the Dovican or uh, from you know certain other games, it they they have a history, but it's not predetermined. It, you don't really have any way of knowing who they are, so it's okay to like let them wander on their own imagination. But when it comes to Gareth, if he starts sounding like something that doesn't make sense, you're gonna upset more people. Even mm-hmm. though you gave other people freedom with him, you're gonna upset more people because that's not how he would act. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely understand that. All right, so. Obviously, we know that you work on, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Outer Worlds. Uh, it's got a lot of branching paths in it. Um, what are some of the difficulties making branching path options? Like, I feel like, you know, <laughs> I feel like, you know, because, like, obviously we're talking about, like, anti-hero question, uh, like, you know, branching path. Sometimes you guys have, like, three or four. Like, it's it's kind of crazy. And it's like I said, it was like the, the Rico case where you have, like, all these branching paths. Like, uh, what is some of the, the biggest difficulties you have making that? Because I'm sure that's not easy. Like, in yeah. the grand scheme of things, after the whole project's done, I'm sure there's a lot of project, a lot of time that went into that. Yeah, it it is a lot of time. So 
and it's a lot more words. It's a lot more um, tracking and using uh, game logic and scripting and conditionals and stuff like that. So for example, if you have this conversation that's got 400 nodes in it, maybe players only experience 100 of those nodes or maybe only 50 of those nodes, but different players will experience different ones. So it's like you had to build out 400 just for a single player to go through it and make choices and hit the 50 that they're going to see in their one playthrough. You also have to track all the choices that they've made, including like their builds, their backgrounds, things they've done in the game previously, what companions they have with them, what they're wearing, what choices they've made within the conversation, what skills they have. Um, and then based off of things that they've said in the conversation, you have to count for that later. So later on, the NPC is going to respond and react to that and they have to react to all the different possible ones but only show you the correct matched up version and so it's a lot of like any one thing that you see in the game you know there's probably like four to eight versions of that and you're seeing the one that corresponds to your specific unique playthrough yeah so, <laughs> so. um you know playing a lot of you know we'll take like an example of obsidian like certain guests will be with you and they'll they'll acknowledge that they're there mm -hmm. you know so pretty much what you're saying is like you have to take that perspective and like look like right now we got this person with this or we got that uh, companion with this but we have to also write if we have varieties of every one of the other ones you know uh, is i don't know if i can't remember if there's ways in uh in in the outer worlds not to have companions i'm pretty sure you yes. could yeah, so, so you have to account for you have no companions or you have to account for which companions you have and basically that requires you check for you have a version and check for all companions, and then you have a version that checks for no companions. <laughs> and then, and then they'll sometimes your companions will communicate with each other. Yeah, so talk to you, each other. You, there's branching paths where you could have a certain like, and obviously the majority of the time they're unique conversations. It's not like you know they're saying the the same two companions will say the same thing. You know, you have a, a companion uh, and then a different companion. Uh, the different time you go through, they're gonna have a different conversation. Uh -huh. it, I can't. That that just makes my brain hurt to think of all yeah. that. Like, and then and it it is part of your job to hook it up and make sure it works correctly. So it's not just you know writing the one line that Ellie says. You know, you have to do every companion, and you have to like you know hook it up to make sure the conversation connects properly and has the right um, conditionals or prerequisites. And then you have to test it all the different <laughs> ways you could possibly go through the conversation. It and I'm assuming, like, because there's skill checks, too, uh, mm -hmm. through all most of these type of games. And then you got to account for that. Like, it's got to read the game. Like, do they have this amount of skill? And then that might change the dialogue again. And then you have to do it again through this way. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. that's crazy. I, I don't envy that, man. You guys, you guys, you guys, <laughs> you guys are crazy for but that. But it is really fun, you know? Like, you do have a lot of options when you're building out a conversation. So you can have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and especially um, you know, being the robot too, you 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 could be say some off the wall stuff that <laughs> that wouldn't make sense to anyone I was saying, but it's a robot, and I think that you know when you, when you talk from a perspective of a non-human person, it, it's a lot easier to justify him doing anything you want him to because he's not human. And that, that, yeah. That's interesting. All right, so obviously we were talking about like Last of Us and stuff like that. What I want to ask you is. From your perspective as a writer, what do you think is easier type of gameplay for you to get 
your writing across to the to the gamer the best like a first person or a third person type of game third person view so i actually think the camera it does not affect the story as much um as maybe a different media um yeah because it really just depends on the type of story you're trying to tell and how much the character talks right so Mm -hmm. i guess if it's like a third person game where the the person you control never says anything that would be a lot more difficult than a first person game where you see you hear your character talking all the time as you're going through a level um but third or first person is kind of tied to like how close you are to that character right so in a novel it can depend on like first person you only have the information of the, that first person the character who's telling you the story you know what's going on in their head and their perception of the world but you don't know anything else in third person in a novel um you could have limited um to only that character or you could know everything you can know what every character is thinking all the time and like sprinkle that information throughout in a video game um i feel like whether it's first person or not you don't typically hear or know what other people are thinking unless they say it out loud so like even Mm -hmm. it's very limited you're not going to get a lot of like you know omniscient like the narrator is god some games do that actually but it's a lot less common um so it's really just like i think the camera view affects more um your combat experience i will say there are a few exceptions that stood out to me if you played um Oh, I'm going to blink on the title. Is, uh... oh, crap. Sorry, my brain. What? 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 <sighs> I is, can't is believe it, I just, like, I just person? had it. So it's a first person. You're experiencing the game. Um, you basically go back to this island in a house where you grew up, and you're going through the house, and you're encountering, you're, like, unlocking all these different rooms. And as you do that, you see the story of how all the characters who lived in those rooms died and you experience it first person through those characters. Um, is it the last, the final something of, um, oh, sorry, my brain is you're terrible fine, with this kind fine. of stuff. I'll look Eden it up Fitch. later. Eden Fitch. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I was like, I kept wanting to say like Ethel, but I was like, that's not the right name. But anyway, yes, that game, um, I think the camera choice was very specific for the narrative. If you experienced that game in a third person, it would not have the same sensation or emotional impact when you experience those like death scenes, essentially, or like the like ominousness of, you know, going through the house. The fact that it's in first person um, makes it feel much more claustrophobic and emotionally heavy. So, but that was like, I think a choice that was made to support the narrative that they were trying to tell. But a lot of games, you know, um, like for example, in Fallout 4, I think it's going to be the same narrative experience to you, whether you're playing in the first person or the third person camera view. Yeah, I've always <laughs> felt like when it comes to first person versus third person, because uh, I've always felt like set pieces make more sense in a third person view mm-hmm. than because there's set pieces in first person, but you know, like Tomb Raider, Uncharted, like when you have those big epic set pieces, I feel like you have a lot more options in terms of how it looks and how it's presented if it is a third person. Now, mm-hmm. I do like the thir- uh, the set pieces in like Wolfenstein and stuff like that because mm-hmm. it, it, it's like especially when he was uh, like he was going down the hallways in in uh, in the wheelchair and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I feel like action paces might do better 
in a in a first person perspective because you're getting a little bit more immersive because you're actually that person. But as far as like inter, inter uh, environment set pieces, I feel like they're better in third because you have a lot more access to the character because you're not in the character. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think it's been a while since I played it, so I feel like my memory is like gonna get it wrong but i remember when i played the newer god of war they were doing really interesting stuff with their camera too where in the combat you were more of like a third person right Mm -hmm. um and because it wasn't really it was like oh it's more convenient makes the combat better let's do that but then in certain you know narrative heavy moments or emotional experience type thing the camera did come in a lot closer and follow those characters in a cinematic manner it it is interesting how certain developers do use both perspectives mm-hmm. like for certain things like uh for instance destiny i'm a huge destiny fan and the combat is all first person but mm-hmm. when you pull out that sword <laughs> it goes third person naturally it, it, mm-hmm. and it's like one of the only t- uh, times in the perspective it isn't that's mainly combat wise uh at that time i don't think they were really trying to learn how to make the sword look appealing in first person so mm-hmm. it's more it made more sense to make it third person uh, and I think it's like one of those things where it's like, I think both games can do well. I think Fallout mm-hmm. does a good way of creating this world in first person. But keep in mind, a lot of these RPGs, especially, they give you the option to do both. But I do feel like a lot of these games might give you the option, but they were designed for one. It's just they're giving yeah. you the option to do the other. Well, yeah, I think so. I think for me, the interesting aspect of it is what is the camera doing and when? Because even a game like um, Cyberpunk, uh, a lot of their cinematic stuff was still third person, you know, depending. You could see your character or you'd be like third person walking up to it and then you would sit down and maybe you'd only see your hands drinking a glass. But then at certain points in certain scenes, the camera would actually still show you. Um, And so it was really interesting what they're doing there. So more so than like, just straight up first or third like you would see in a novel which like those are kind of your main choices i think here it's like what is the camera doing how close is it is it up high is it low you know it can you see yourself or not like and those are all have different effects on the experience for the player in that moment you know what's uh did you play it takes two and a ways out yes um i feel like that's finish it yet but i was really enjoying it that's also couch (laughs) co-op yeah i feel like that's a perfect example of everything coming together making sense because especially Mm -hmm. like in a ways out there's a a scenario where one character is up fighting some individual on like a crane and the other character is running around the crane trying to catch up to him and the and the camera's panning back and forth showing where they are and then once you get to the end like the camera's like this small for one and like this <laughs> small for the other like that is a unique way of using a camera angle yeah. that would make more sense off what they need it and not off what they mm-hmm. have Yeah, and that's also a unique discipline at a lot of studios to be, you know, a cinematic designer or, you know, the person who's in charge of the camera in different moments of the game. So if that's something that really interests you, it's a career route that, you know, anyone could look into and become an expert in and then build that in different games, which I think is super cool. Yeah, so, you know, what is obviously with the pandemic and stuff that happened, uh, what was some key things that changed for you as a writer? Like, was there a, was there a lot of hiccups or because I know some studios was a little bit more 
uh, you know, remote ready than other studios. But how was it for the writing portion? Like, did, did, was there like a lot more? I wouldn't say like red flags or red tape, but was there a lot more? Because obviously, you guys are working with highly sensitive stuff. Uh, was there a? Uh, did it make it a lot harder for you to write for something like The Outer Worlds, being in a work environment? I actually don't think so at all. I think some departments, it was a lot harder for them, but for narrative design and writing, at least what I experienced, it was pretty seamless to switch to a virtual environment. Cause it's like, okay, we were having meetings in person, writing on a whiteboard, or now we're having meetings on a video call like this and someone's writing down notes or there's a whiteboard in the background. So it wasn't all that different. Also, a lot of what we do is, um, you know, we meet with the different people involved, talk about all the stuff. Maybe one person's play testing, everybody else is watching it. And then you go back and you do your individual work. You know, I pull up the tool and I check out the files and I do my work and then I test it and I check it in and then everybody else can see it. So it was like whether I was doing that in the physical office or my home office here, it didn't change too much. All right, so I do have a couple questions I see in the chat. Uh, I picked out the ones that make sense. Obviously, we're not asking quite easy questions. Was gaming her first choice when writing, uh, when learning to write? Was uh, that the first avenue that you wanted uh, to go into? I'm so old that <laughs> it was not even like I didn't even realize game writing was a thing when I. So I really got into writing. I want to say when I was. I mean, it kind of started when I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12, when you start exploring like, oh, I'm writing little stories and stuff like that. And then when I was 15, I was doing it a lot, like writing short stories with original characters, writing a lot of fan fiction with like me and my friends at school would like write in a notebook and pass it in class and try not to have the teacher catch it, you know? <laughs> um, so back then I, you know, I had video games, but a lot of it was like, you know, Nintendo, you know, like Mario or Yoshi's Island or, you know, Desert Strike, stuff like that. Um, so I wasn't thinking a lot. The first game that I really played that I thought, wow, this is like, it has an impressive story. And it's just because I didn't play the earlier ones, unfortunately. But the first one I played was Final Fantasy X. And I remember I thinking like, this is I'm like, playing that game right now. Yeah. <laughs> really impacted me and so that probably started me down the route of like man you know video game writing is like a thing just as much as film or television or novels or comics um and you know when i was in college i was doing creative writing again focusing on fiction um you know like at that time I, they didn't have video game writing classes that i could take i could take you know poetry i could take nonfiction. i could take fiction which would be short stories or novels or there was one film writing class that I took um, and when I was in grad school uh, after going to conventions I made friends with an artist a concept artist who worked at EA and she was like well you know you love you know Fallout and Bioshock and stuff like that why don't you just try to write for them because I was thinking what am I going to do with my life how am I going to get a job um, so that kind of started me down that route of like yes I would like to do that because I enjoy game stories so much, and I think it would be really cool. Um, there were not a lot of studios back then who hired a lot of writers. It would kind of be like, oh, there's like one or two at <laughs> the entire studio. Um, but eventually got my foot in the door and have just kind of, you know, worked my way in the industry then. Um, and I think somewhere like Obsidian, you know, I've just been really lucky in that they do like a lot of the games that they make are very narrative heavy they you know have a lot of 
writers in the studio. Um, we have a pretty robust narrative department and the collaboration with other departments is really fun and cool. So I feel like I definitely found that right fit <laughs> for me. Out of curiosity, um, do you communicate? Because I know when you was on ILP the last time, talked about collaborations with other studios that Microsoft owns. Do you talk to a lot of the narrative focused people on other studios a lot? Yeah, I would say more so I talk with narrative people than like mm -hmm. a random programmer or, you know, like uh, maybe occasionally if an artist or something was, had a narrative question, but, you know, my area of expertise is kind of limited to like our tool mm -hmm. set and how we build things. So usually it would be, you know, a meeting of the minds to try and be like, how do you guys do stuff? And, you know, what problems did you run into? And just comparing notes, that type of stuff. Um, I, I got another question. What kind of key qualities are important when learning to write for a team and how do you split up uh, writers? Uh, that's what they were asking. I don't know if that's something oh, that you... Okay, yeah. Again, I think it's really important when you're working at a game studio, especially if you're not the only writer there, you know, if you're working with other writers or you're in a team with other developers, the main thing to remember is like, you're just one person in the team. You're not, mm -hmm. your stuff is not the most precious. You're not the most important person. And it can take a while. Like, I think everyone kind of is like, hey, I, I like this idea. It's really important to me. So it can take a while to get to the point where you're like, everyone feels that way. It's important to think about the larger perspective and like, what do we have time for? How cool would this be? Are other people on board? That type of stuff. Um, and especially with like, if you end up having to share a character, which sometimes happens, or maybe you inherit a character from someone or due to scheduling, you have to move on to a different area and you're handing off your work to someone else to maintain. It's important to um, improve what they have. You know, you're going to like polish it up. You're going to bug fix it. Maybe you're going to add to it. But, you know, um, if you can like save at least the spirit of what they're trying to accomplish, I think that goes a long way. Like you don't always want to come in and just like steamroll <laughs> all the work that everyone else has done before work. you. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you could, but <laughs> it's like, I know you spent years working on this character, but it's not your character anymore. It's my character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like you, you could, but I just, and maybe sometimes it's called for, maybe you're stepping in because you know, the direction of the character needs to change. Um, and you've been asked to do that, or you think it's better to do that. But I think if you do that all the time, then other people might, you know, not want to give mm -hmm. you their stuff. Uh, so I do, uh, someone did, I only got, I'm only gonna ask two more questions out of this chat, because I do want to let you go. Um, so someone asked, how many writers is typically in a AAA game on your standpoint? Uh, is it usually, I, I think that would determine mainly about what type of game, if they take it, uh, uh, you know, narrative seriously or not. Because I do feel like that's one of the things that's made Obsidian such a successful company is because they're like, we care about gameplay and narrative almost equally. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if you can answer how many writers you guys have. I don't know if that's something that you could say. Uh, you can answer that if you want, but uh, I will give leave actually that actually would you. have to, like, pull it up and count how many we have across all the different projects. We but it's, it's a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. Yeah, we do have a lot. Um, some studios, I think it depends on how long the game is in production, the size of the game, how much um, writing goes into the game because a game like Obsidian, you know, if you're dealing with like, hey, we've got a million words in this game versus a game that's also AAA but maybe only has like, I don't know, 30,000 or something like that, that's a big difference. Because um, I think, I could be wrong, but I think God of War, um, which had an amazing narrative in my opinion, I think they only had like three or four 
um, full-time writers on that. They might've had mm-hmm. more on contract. I'm not sure. But then when I saw the credits for like, um, uh, oh gosh, why does my brain always do this? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know why my brain is blanking out, but basically a different uh, RPG. They had like mm, 17 writers in the credits. So it really just depends on the studio and, you know, and, how they decide to staff up. <laughs> and plus, I think it goes off with the kind of making. Like, God of War is more of a, narr- like, uh, you know, kind of a, a narrative single straight line type of game. And when you make a game like you guys generally make, like there's a lot of different branching paths. You have a mm-hmm. lot of NPCs talking to. So you got to write all of that. Uh, so I think that would require more people generally. So I got one last question from Flame. He is an inspiring writer. Uh, so uh, shout out to Flame. He's a, he, he's a good dude. Very cool. He said, question for the royalty. When writing important moments for characters or stories, how do you put yourself in that scenario to perfectly capture it? Wow. It's a deep question, <laughs> I man. I don't know. Does every writer approach it different? I'd be interested to hear from other people in the chat who write like what you guys do. Um, I think for myself, it uh, always involves a lot of daydreaming, right? Playing out different scenarios, trying to imagine how you would feel or what how you would react or you know embodying the character and then um i know pixar talks about this a lot they're really big into drawing on your own life experiences and translating that into Mm -hmm. the story so it's like if you recently had a kid they want you to be working on a story where that's about you know a new parent or something like that because you can directly draw the unique experiences from your life and make that movie more authentic and more emotionally resonant and stuff like that now a lot of what we do pure fiction so it's like i'm not ever gonna have a scenario where it's like oh i just committed mass genocide (laughs) you know or something like that so that's not a case where you draw from you know one-to-one personal life experience but maybe you would think about you know a time that you that motivated you to you know make a bad decision or something like that like what would compel you to like take more and more extremes or you know Mm -hmm. so you just try and like what if a lot of things and think about past experiences or I don't know, just straight up role play and imagine fantasy, different stuff, I guess. So pretty much what you're saying is it just depends on what you're going through at the time. Uh, like you said, uh, certain other studios or, you know, people in other industries will have you captivate all. Oh, she just had a kid. So she has a lot of emotions tied into her, her newborn. Uh, so let's have her write something about newborns because that would probably you know, uh, evolate that type of writing because that's what she's passionate about at that time. We got a $10 super chat from Dawn Otaku. Dang, I'm late. I'll listen later, but great guest. I've just wanted to support while I can. Uh, you know, I really appreciate you coming on here. Uh, that's all the questions we're doing guys. I got, I got to let her go home, man. I got to let her go home. <laughs> I assume you're at the studio. Uh, Oh, actually, all... no, I'm working from my home office right now, but, oh. <laughs> I saw people walking in the background, so I was oh, like... that was my husband. Oh, so I didn't know who... I, I Obviously, I, I didn't know to point, yeah. to point that out, but... A lot you know, of people are in the office right now, but we're doing a hybrid model where, like, some people are at home full-time, some people are in the office certain days, some people go in in the morning and then go home in the afternoon. It's pretty cool. I like the flexibility, so... It, it, it's just like... It's like I said, I feel like... Look, we can give criticism on certain things that's going on but i do feel like we we as you know especially influencers you know uh 
the the armchair developers on uh, on Twitter that feel like they know jobs better than actual people that actually do the jobs. I feel like we gotta do a better a better thing about being compassionate to what people do because this thing's not easy. And it's like, you know, what we were saying on just the branching pass alone, that's probably the entire development right there. <laughs> like That's crazy. The amount of work that goes into something like that. Uh, so, you know, I appreciate you coming on, giving more perspective of being a, a senior writer, uh, because it, especially something like writing, it, I'm not a writer. I, I'm always 100% open with that. We have a website and I'm like, I don't write. I don't write. I'll, I'll, now, I'll do a video. I don't mind doing a video, but me and writing have never got along. I failed ninth grade <laughs> English twice. So it's just like me and writing don't get I, math. I'm, I'm okay. I'm pretty decent at math, but no, not writing. Uh, and it's always interesting to see how people in different industries take writing different ways. And I love that you came on and just gave a little bit more perspective of it was like, you know, especially working at a studio like Obsidian, you know, uh, because it'd be, it, I think it's different than working for someone like Obsidian that is a well-developed studio that's made multiple games like Fallout New Vegas, Stick of Truths, you know, uh, Couture. I think it's different from stuff like that than like a, a, a brand new studio that doesn't really have a whole lot to show and hasn't had a history because I feel like you will put yourself more on a, I got to prove myself more than the average person because you're looking back and you're like, look what they've made and I'm involved in their newer stuff. So I got to be on my top of my game. I feel like there's a lot of pressure onto it that a lot of people won't give, uh, you know, people credit for, especially how extra Twitter is on judging stuff. You know, well, I it, think too is um, one thing I like to think about it is like, Almost, like literally everybody I work with it came in kind of the same way which is like they're really big fans of video games they like playing video games and they wanted to work on video games they tried mm -hmm. really hard to get into the industry and then eventually got in and now they're making video games and they're trying to do it the best that they can um, we're still human so mistakes happen or you know maybe I like especially like have you seen that meme where it's like <laughs> you know how you picture it in your head and it's like the Picasso or um <laughs> Van Gogh version of like, oh, this is beautiful. And then how you do it is like the stick figure, like the execution didn't match up. So I feel like you, that even happens to like someone with a ton of experience. Like I'll always be like, this is the ideal version in my head. And then when I'm trying to build it, I'm like, oh, why is it not perfect? Right. So, um, and there's only so many like time, you know, resources and then priority of like, how important is this in the game overall versus something else? You know, do you want to work on this game or like, do we want to make this game for like 15 years or do we want to try and get it to people in like <laughs> three years, something like that. So, um, but I do think that most of the people here really care. They're really passionate. They're doing their best and they also listen to people. So, you know, when we put a game out and it gets certain criticism, we try to improve that <laughs> on the next thing that we do. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I appreciate people playing, you know, I want to like bring entertainment into people's lives. I want to make, you know, your life better for having experienced our stuff. I don't ever want to like accidentally waste someone's time or something like that. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, we're trying our best and hopefully we're able to execute on it, but I guess you can't ever always, you know, perfectly <laughs> pull everything off. So you can't satisfy a hundred percent of people. It's impossible. You, you can only aim to, 
you know, try to satisfy as many people as possible. But, you know, I appreciate you coming on, Megan. Uh, you know, uh, you could plug your Twitter and stuff if you want to. I know you're not really on there a whole, whole lot. Yeah, I do bad. I'm not on it as much, but yeah. I, I do see you, like, promoting books and stuff on there. So, you know, maybe you want to promote uh, promote uh, some type of work that, that's going in? Um... Well, I I haven't. My book was like two years ago, so I feel bad. But yeah, I mean, if people are interested in for an occasional tweet, um, uh, fictivate. But um, I would say, yeah, during the pandemic, I started and I don't know if anybody else has really felt this way or not. But it might have been like as I got a little older or maybe as because of the pandemic, I started feeling like social media, like too much exposure was like increasing my anxiety or maybe I was putting too many hours a day into it and so I basically just cut out um, the majority of social media use in my day-to-day life and only check in occasionally and I feel much more like chill and relaxed for it what's funny is I think because I'm like a content creator I'm a podcaster um we're literally the sleeve of twitter so we get the yeah. most feedback from everyone. Like, look, developers might get feedback off their games, but most people don't know who to talk to for a thing. Like, if if they don't like something that Obsidian made, they're going to blame Obsidian as a whole. Like, no individual person really, maybe besides the lead, you know, the leads. Uh, but content creators, I make content every day people don't like. So yeah. I'm constant. And I think because of that, I've, I've just breathed in all that all of that and it doesn't bother me anymore it, it, oh, it used to good. bother me it used to bother me like the comment section that that's the, the people will tell you that all the time don't read the comment section i read the comment section i don't oh, care really? yeah so yeah i appreciate you coming on and uh you know uh it's like i said i'm gonna do more of these guys uh like i, I didn't get to every question because I, I made it very vocal because i know how these chat is uh <laughs> you know because when it comes to educational stuff you'll have less people show up because it's not entertaining. You know, obviously I'm yeah. not, I'm not trying to amp everything up 24 seven, but I appreciate you coming on. And until next week, you know, uh, I, I will have a dev on next week. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a turn-based RPG. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And until next time, this is Gaming Addict and, and Megan. And uh, we, we, we hope you guys have a good day. Peace. All right. See you guys. Thank you.